Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. Hello to uh, Startup Business Q&A, episode 176. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. And this week, the poll, I tried to make it one that I thought would be a fairly uh, even split of votes. I got it wrong, uh, and it was uh, something like 90, was it 90% of votes went for this topic, which was the conversions from customer or from connections to clients. So that's what the topic is today. It's going to be a bit of a shorter uh, entrepreneur, uh, sorry, a uh, startup business live today, um, simply because there's a huge amount of work to do uh, in the last couple of weeks before um, before we kick into Christmas. So uh, I need to make it slightly shorter. But I've got a bunch of questions from you all uh, via LinkedIn and via Facebook as well. So thank you in advance. Uh, well, thank you for those who have sent them through, but thank you in advance. Anyone wants to add questions, do pop them into the uh, the comments. If you're watching right now, jump in with a hashtag. Uh, team live and let us know where you're watching from and also if you're watching later on then of course hashtag team replay and your location as well uh, shout out for those of you watching over on the marvelous IGTV I'm trying a little thing today where I'm not gonna be live on IG we're actually gonna be going through just Facebook and Instagram because of a tech issue uh, but hopefully uh, that works for you lot so thank you much again if you have a question about that moment of converting from connection to client, and I'm keen to uh, see uh, what your question is, pop it in the comments. I have to say a couple of quick announcements. First of all, a huge thank you uh, to those involved with Entrepreneur Business Live Ottawa last week. It was our final event of 2019. We kicked off the year in New York. We finished in Canada, in Ottawa, and uh, it's been crazy. I have to work out all of the numbers now um, because we have, uh, we, we have a few things to talk about at the end of the month about this. But there's been so many events, so many speakers, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, have gone into charities as well as a result of all your help with these events. So thank you so much. And um, the other notice is related to this, which is the Entrepreneur Business Live Awards. And the Entrepreneur Business Live Awards will be at the end of the year. So uh, we'll have a bit of runway bet between now and then. And the awards will be online to so be able to watch them. I will be hosting my own awards show. Um, but basically, there'll be five categories to be released soon. You get to nominate and then vote for the winners. So it'll be things like best speaker, best, uh, I think we'll possibly do best city, best location. There's been a lot of suggestions for awards so far. Uh, but yeah, so you will get to uh, vote. There will be trophies that I will be shipping out to the winners. There'll be five winners of the awards. So uh, I'm really excited about that. The Entrepreneur Business Live Awards, I felt would be a nice way of capping off the year after the last event. So now that we've had Otto, we can do that. And next year is already crazy. I've been having talks this morning about Kuala Lumpur, uh, which will probably be in the start of February. Um, and Miami, uh, also our big event, there's going to be about 100 people or so in uh, on the 16th of April. And Amsterdam, back end of February as well. More dates and uh, information uh, on that as we go. And of course, we'll do a little cheeky London one, probably in the first uh, quarter as well. Thank you everyone for jumping in here. So Jovan Campbell, nice to see you on LinkedIn, on Facebook even. Uh, Dotlung, good to see you here. Uh, Abject Joshi as well and Bobolo, uh, good to catch up with you earlier uh, today. Over on LinkedIn, it'd be nice to see of course everyone hopping on there as well. So the question I can say, the questions are all about converting from 
customer, oh sorry, I keep saying it wrong, converting from connections to customers. Um, I've got uh, a few people online here on LinkedIn, so nice to see you watching right now. People are jumping in left, right and centre. Let me know if you're uh, hashtag team live or hashtag team replay if you're watching later and put the location, whereabouts are you watching from. We've got Josh Kimbra, team live, Kansas City, Missouri. Good to see you here. Um, Sean La, watching from DC. We'll have actually an Entrepreneur Business Live DC coming up soon uh, in, a, in, a few, um, in a few months' time. So we're looking inside, excited about that. Rizwan Ali, good to see you here. Carolina Mankowski, Team Live out of uh, Florida. Dave Moore, FCMA, uh, is Team Live from Qatar. Elizabeth Westbrook from uh, Team Live is uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, and uh, a few others as well. So thanks everyone for jumping in. Like I say, pop your questions in the comments if you want uh, a question answered on um, connections to clients, how to do the conversions. Let's kick off from uh, Christina Yeoman, who I think I connected with on LinkedIn, but she sent through Facebook. And also this ties in with Bing Oliver, who sent me a really kind voice message. Good work with the voice memos. Uh, it was feeding into the answer to a lot, a lot of the questions anyway. Uh, he sent me through a voice memo uh, with a similar question, so I'm going to answer the both of you at the same time. Christina asks, Richard, in terms of each phase of our connections, prospecting connections, new connections, and ones we've had for a while, what are some of your best tips and things we shouldn't do in each phase of the connection process to ensure high conversion rates? So. Overall, it's a really important point to make sure you're being patient uh, because without question, you need to understand that when you're, especially with your, these online connections, you are doing a lot of interfacing with people where you don't know what their world looks like, Christina, what they're doing right now, what they're busy with right now, what other things are on their plate right now. And so expecting any particular response is dangerous. After a while, you really get into it. And one thing, one, one thing I would suggest is working out volume is a good idea, Pure, not just because of the results you might get, but purely because it gives you plenty of feedback as to how well you're going. One thing I would suggest is do start manually to begin with, as in don't just spam out messages or get a VA to do it. I think you should do it to yourself to begin with to get a feel for it. Um, but definitely, definitely what you're looking for are cues. You're looking for cues where people are suggesting that they might need your help, okay? So if I'm looking for a potential client in a, a conversation I have with a connection, I'm looking for one of two cues, ideally both, but one of two. You're looking for either someone who thinks you're great, so they think you're great against the topic that you work in. So for instance, if I am uh, an accountant, and someone thinks I'm a great accountant, so they're saying that, they're complimenting me, they are cues that help me pivot into a moment where I might ask if I can maybe hop on a call or set up a meeting, or if we could explore what it would look like if we worked together. It's very, very important that you look for a cue rather than just ask, because that cue is validation that it would be okay to ask at this point. What they're doing is they're saying, I think you're great and you've earned the right at that point to ask for something. The other thing, as well as them saying you're great, is a different type of cue, which is that they are struggling. And the two things are happening when someone's struggling. One, they are qualified as someone you might be able to help. But two, 
they are also validating that it would be okay if you said, well, let me see if I can help you because they are giving away some vulnerability to you. They are being open. And most people, especially with people maybe you're, you're um, approaching cold, don't want to share vulnerability. People like to not suggest that they have problems and things. But if someone does share that they are a bit vulnerable, you're, there's a demonstration right there that you are approachable. And that call with actually saying to you, do you know what, I'm really got, I've got a problem with something. But the holy grail, Christina, is if someone is like, I love you, I think you're great, Christina, I really love what you do, and... I also have a problem against the, the value you offer, uh, as in I can't, I need help with it, then you, you can't miss really. So you're looking for those cues. What I don't think you should do, just to be balanced, because you've asked what are the do's and don'ts or the things we shouldn't do. One thing I really would advise against is treating everyone the same. There is a point at which you might, for instance, use a bot, I understand, or maybe a VA and send out a collection of messages to people to start the process, but you can't force them to adopt the same steps in a conversation. Your view should be, I'm going to engage and try and help without any outward agenda. The end point is that they might buy my services, but I don't know the route that will take to get there. The roadmap is as yet undecided, because every person has their own agenda. They have their own kind of things going on in their world. Some people might buy straight away. Some people might take six weeks of messaging. Some people might need a bit more warming up. Some people might want to chat lots. Some people might be just ready to go. And so you need to bear in mind that the process is going to be different for everyone. And the problem is the process might feel similar to other people, and as a result, you have this confirmation bias that perhaps you should just treat everyone the same. And that's when we have this danger of trying to have a bot or something to, to or some kind of over formulaic approach that will force everyone through to become a client uh, with the same set of um, instructions or, or conversation points is dangerous. A better thing to do, just connect, say hi. If conversation moves towards the area of your expertise, so help. Prove you're good and an expert. If they view you as such, then they will open up. And that's where you get that cue, firstly, where that maybe actually needed a bit of help with something. And look, you know, I've had people who from private messages have moved from zero to a, a hopping on a call and closing a deal very quickly inside an hour. And then some that take months because everyone's different. So the, the really things, things you've got to be, be aware of is that everyone's different and will need their own pace. And they need their own pace based often on things like what they've experienced in the past. Some people have been burnt in the past. Um, there's someone I've worked with recently who la the last coach they had, they spend some uh, like five figure amount of money. It was a huge amount of money um, uh, on a coach that didn't deliver at all. So there's this element of feeling burnt. Um, so I had to navigate it in a particular way. So the other thing I would say is make sure you're looking for things um, that you can use to relate to that person. Um, if you in any way broadcast, even subliminally, Christina, that you are coming across uh, like you're just, you know, you're working your way through the numbers, working your way through just a bunch of people in a list, that will really, that will be picked up on straight away. So 
Look at the detail, look at the specifics, pick up on things that that person's done. Maybe they've written some content or maybe they've been involved in the news. Google them, find out what they're about and you can just get into a bit more detail, just make them feel a bit more special. You'd think it's kind of obvious but it's stunning how people don't do it in the pursuit of clients. But the irony is that's what you should be doing more of to get more clients because it takes longer but you get a greater return in the long run. This is a really good question and I want to bring in Bing Oliver because one of the, the part of his voicemail what he suggested which was relevant here he said you know you might find you engage with people they love what you do and then when you ask they run a mile they get scared off and what that is is often that the ask is a bit early. We're so eager to say look I know I, I know I can help you if you happen to be on the subject of what it is you do, but you need to look for that cue. You need to look for them complimenting you, saying, I just think you're so great, or wow, Bing, you'd never said it that way before, or Christina, that's such a great inspirational way of looking at how I can attack things. They're giving you a cue that you can ask for something, or they're showing they're struggling, okay? People don't want to admit vulnerability, so if they are offering up that they're vulnerable, you've, you've created some kind of environment where they're cool with trusting you. Trust is an essential component uh, if you're going to get anywhere of this. So there are the do's and don'ts. There are millions, but obviously that's a good start, I would hope. Uh, let's look at someone else, some other people on LinkedIn. Uh, John Bearden is here. Hi, my first live stream. Any suggestions on a really good book? for sales tips and methods. I've just finished The Way of the Wolf, views on this book. It's actually quite a good book. Um, there's a lot, man, and I, I, it's a good book. The thing is you've got to think about what you're after. If you know what you're doing in sales and you just want to go for it and you need the motivation, so listen, listen, don't read, but listen to the 10X rule by Grant Cardone. Because there you've got a guy who will get you pumped up and you'll be like, let me at them. If you want to actually learn detail on it, um, I think one of the best books I've read on this, which isn't an out-and-out -out sales book. Um, uh, sorry, what's your name? I've lost you because people are sending messages. John. Uh, John, one of the best books on this is a book by a guy called Mark McCormack. So he was the founder of IMG, the um, uh, sports agency. He worked with like Jack Nicholson and people like that. Um, he uh, wrote a book called What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School. What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School phenomenal book about the soft stuff and the point being because he went to the Harvard Business School the point being you can learn the theory and you know business strategy and, and all that kind of stuff but it's these soft nuances in interacting with people that matter it's some really good detail on what it really means when you interface with people shaking hands eye contact um, meetings all of the small things being candid with someone to close a deal, all that kind of soft stuff that you can only get through someone who's be, been on the pitch for a while, who has some real experience. I really recommend that book. But I mean, if you want an out and out sales book, book I've said it to so many people now, the book that um, is closest to my personal philosophy on sales is Oren Claff's uh, Pitch Anything. Oren, O-R-E-N-K-L-A-F-F, Oren Claff's Pitch Anything. Book is brilliant because it looks at it from a neurological, psychological perspective and understands the importance of getting through the kind of the lizard brain as he, or the croc brain as he calls it, into the logical centre of it. So understanding the mechanics of what a brain's actually working through is essential because when you're going to pitch something to someone, you know, really you know that that person you're approaching is like, I don't want to be sold to. 
I don't want this. And they have all of these kind of prejudgments that happen. So how to hack your way around that. That's a great book. Pitch anything. I strongly recommend it. Great uh, comment, John. Thank you for that. hope that helps. Uh, Lon Wabo, Eric Salinder is team live from Johannesburg. Brian Derek is team live from Miami. Brian is going to be hosting Entrepreneur Business Live Miami in April 16th next year. I mean, where else would you want to go on holiday, right? After Christmas, you know how it will be. You'll be thinking, great, I've got this expansive time ahead of me. What do I have next? What you do is you book Entrepreneur Business Live April 16th and you come along and then you have something to look forward to. And no, I'm not trying to sell you because it's free. All events moving forward are free to attend now. So you can come along, you can help out because uh, in the sense that we are uh, donating to charity and some amazing panellists will be there. More on it soon. Jonathan Featherstone, any, any time for advice on closing a deal? Yes. It's the same as the cue to ask to, or to suggest that you might, you might better help someone in the first place. The best way to close a deal really is when you have a strong amount of trust. If you don't feel you have him out of trust, then, then you're not ready yet. I would say it's essential to make sure you ask outright, but check that someone has sold on the value first, Jonathan. What this really means is if someone is sold on what you're offering, then you're in a position where you can offer them the price and the package and then close them after that. So there's a thing called a pre-close or a trial close. And in essence, you go through what it, you know, you go through your process, you help them out, you explain how you'll help them, and then you ask, in principle, Jonathan, do you feel that that would help? Yes, Rich, I really do. That's exactly what I need. Great. Now I've qualified that in principle, that person wants that thing. Then I say, great, so it runs for four months at this price. And then I have the reaction to the price, which is feedback on how they feel about the value you've been proposing to them. Subjectivity comes in here. So is it expensive or is it good value for money? They are the person who actually decides that. It doesn't matter what you think. They decide if it's expensive or value for money based on how much value they feel they're going to get from what you initially said. So sell them on the value first, then they have earned the right to hear the price, then you sell them on the price. If they're not like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm after, then they don't need to hear the price yet. You've got more selling to do, it's as simple as that. But closing a deal should feel right for everyone. If you have to drag them kicking and screaming, they're not sold on the product. And so you need to go nowhere near price and closing a deal yet, get them sold better. So there's a lot more to it than that, of course, but I would really, uh, I, I would also recommend that same book that I did um, a, a moment ago, uh, Jonathan, uh, Pitch Anything by Oren Class, a good book on this. Uh, Nagabox Recession Proof, great name, uh, has said, unjudged, unjudged law is no law at all. That's deep. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm sure it has a lot of context here. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Daryl Perry II, the guy with the bow tie, values in the eye of the buyer. Precisely. It doesn't matter how great you think your product is, which is why a lot of sellers have to get over themselves and stop striving for perfection even because your perfect is not the buyer's perfect. And you are hoping it's their perfect, but it may well not be. OK, uh, one more uh, here. John, uh, John Bearden. Thank you very much. I'm glad that helped. Josh Kimbra. Yep. High level tech. Uh, higher level tips I teach. I'm pleased to hear it. David Moore, totally agree that IMG book is excellent. It is a stormer. How uh, what they teach, what they don't teach even 
at Harvard Business School. Next question, Daniel Nunes, the regular. Daniel Nunes uh, from Phoenix has said, Richard, what do you look for when you're going through potential client profiles? So presumably online, you're looking at leads you may call. Um, I'm looking, I understand when I'm looking through profiles, if I was going to approach someone to sell them something, that this is the stage of pre-qualification. Real qualification is when I interface with that person. Maybe I'm engaging on a DM or when I get them on a phone call or whatever, but the pre-qualification happens prior to any engagement with them. I'm looking for a number of things. I'm looking at things like how much they're, possibly already sold on the thing I'm going to be selling them. For example, Daniel, if I was going to sell them LinkedIn training, then I would want them to be on LinkedIn. I could sell them LinkedIn training if they're not on LinkedIn, but I have to sell them the concept and value of LinkedIn first. If someone's already on LinkedIn and I want to sell them LinkedIn content strategy to help sell, then I would ideally want to find someone who has been posting content because then I don't need to sell them on posting content, I need to help them with their content. You see the difference? If someone's never posted content and I'm going to sell them content strategy, there's a chance in this pre-qualification phase that they may not be sold on the point of it in the first place. And I learned this very early on, back in 2002, 2003, when I was my first job, I was cold calling uh, businesses and selling them online marketing. So you rem remember, this is like turn of the century, internet marketing, so selling banners and profiles and SEO and stuff like that. And the truth is that a lot of people were like, yeah, I know we've got a website. And that was kind of our pre-qualification, do they have a website? But a lot of these business owners were saying, oh, come on, the internet, no one buys stuff on the internet. And I had to sell some of these people the internet as a commercial, it's absurd, right, for now, for 2019. But back then I had to sell people the internet and the point of the internet and then sell them my product on top. So it's far better to look at those, to pre-qualify uh, my leads by looking at those people who are clearly online, clearly trying to do stuff and help them. So you want people who are a bit more sold on what it is you're doing. For instance, if I, I don't know, if I was some kind of confidence coach, I don't know, then I would be looking for someone who is maybe posting content about their confidence uh, because that's a nice cue that maybe they're a bit more in the market for it and they get it and they understand that kind of thing. Maybe someone who's, you know, flexing the books that they're reading that they're helping them about confidence or something like that. So look at the pre-qualification stage. That's what I'm looking for. What I'm also looking for is where I open up conversation, Daniel, because people aren't vulnerable at the start. Okay, so I'm not going to go straight into, hey, I reckon you need help because I can see your content on LinkedIn's crap <laughs> and I can help you with it. Far better to open up a little bit more organically. I want to take my cues from the offline world. Look at those first conversations you have with people you don't know. Those ones that are the easiest to do are the ones where there's some commonality. So, for instance, if I'm at a wedding, and I, no, actually even better, on Saturday, I was at a 90th birthday party. So it was my wife's um, second, uh, wife's great aunt had turned 90. So I was a serious outsider. I had no idea who any of the people were there. So, but there were some people there and 
I had no idea who they were. I'd never seen them before, never met them, but I had commonality. So how do you know Hazel, I would say, about the, uh, the great aunt or how are you related? And we, I knew that there was something I could go on. So what I'm saying here, Daniel, is you want to look out for where commonality is. Do you have any mutual connections with them? Who are they? Are there any big like, or well-known mutual connections that you can really talk about? Um, but also look a little deeper. What are they into? Because when you interface with someone, what the, what the human brain is doing is saying, is this person a threat? Should I be worried about this person? The, the emotional sentence saying, should I be scared and should I run away? And so you need to show you can relate to them. So what are they into? Are they into something similar? For instance, I, I did Taekwondo for 19 years. And one of the guys at the, um, at the party on Saturday said to me, oh, you know, you do Taekwondo, I do karate. And, you know, obviously I could then start with the banter of, well, you know, no one's perfect and that kind of thing. <laughs> but, but the point is we had something to talk about and he had that commonality with me. So that is huge. And by far and away, one of the best ways to open up cold prospects is through some commonality. If you know someone else that you have in common, it's way easier to get the ball rolling because they, they know who you're talking about. So it's a great question. I hope that helps. Um, uh, yeah, great question. So next one, Karen Shargan Cooper, Karen Cooper from New Jersey has said, I know building a relationship is important, but if you know that the person would benefit from your product or service, how can you just inform them without coming across poorly? Sorry, let's be clear, relationships are king. They have to come first. Even if you know they definitely need the product, you can't just ball in, bowl in with the, with the solution. You have to build a bit of relationship first. You might get away with it sometimes, but far better to build the relationship because now there's trust, now there's receptivity, and they want to buy from you. So I would say you need to think about, again, looking at these cues from the offline relationship. Um, you have, I mean, if you have relationships with someone and you want to pivot, right, from connection into client or into at least the conversation about them being a client, think about how you actually do that normally. Are you, are you in a relationship with this person where you're normally open? Are you in a relationship with someone where you can be direct and candid? Are you in a relationship with someone where actually you're a bit more subtle? and you dance around the subject a bit when you engage with them. Everyone's different, right? So think about how you normally engage with that person. So some people I'm, I'm, I'm connected to and, and or friends offline as well, where I'm tremendously direct and in their face about whatever we're talking about, whereas other times with other people, it's a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more um, gentle. And those dynamics are worth bearing in mind because that is what your access point needs to look like for you to start the process of, of suggesting you work together. If you can see an opening and you understand that person, you have the relationship, Karen, she said, um, you know, if you know that that person is like someone you've been tight with for a couple of months and you're really direct with each other, so just ask, you know, that's the thing, because you know what you're going to get. Whereas if someone requires a little bit more subtlety and elegance, well then do that, you know. But if there's someone that has no relationship with you yet, don't expect much when you go straight into the ask. Because even if someone needs your service, the problem is that the service may fit what their need is, but they're not going to admit to it. And there's a trust issue. You know, there's a trust issue. Similar as that. People offer me their services all the time, but it's a flat no. 
because I don't know them yet. And I need to trust someone if they're going to get my money or get my time or get my uh, audience in some form. So that is the more important component. And the science shows it's something like 65, 66% of the reason why someone buys something is down to that connection relationship, not what you're selling and not the method used to get them to buy. It's the connection itself. So you have to go all in on relationship, Karen, um, because otherwise that you're not going to, that doesn't lubricate enough for you to actually ask for something. Even if you see an opening, great, good for you, store that up here, but you need to get the relationship going as well. Uh, thanks for joining everyone. We're, we're, we've got a couple more questions to go. We're talking about the conversion from connections to clients today on entrepreneur, oh, sorry, on Startup Business uh, Live uh, episode 176. Uh, if you're watching right now, just join in, put in the comments, hashtag team live or hashtag team replay if you're watching later on and where you're watching from. Uh, and uh, just a couple of notices. I just want to say firstly, thank you to Entrepreneur Business Live Ottawa last week. Nadine Langlois and Dan Willis were amazing hosting that event. It was a really good Q&A as well, really good. And Sam Lister was streaming from an airport in uh, Milwaukee, I think it was, about to fly out to Miami. Uh, so it was amazing to have him speaking as well. We raised $150 to a local charity called uh, Safe Pet Ottawa as well. It was amazing. And uh, the other notification notice is that later this month, before the end of the year, we'll have the Entrepreneur Business Live Awards, which will be the five awards, which are actual trophies that I will actually be sending to people for things like best speaker or best host or whatever. We'll have five categories. You guys get to choose, so nominate and vote. I'm not, I'm not choosing at all. It's down to you lot. Uh, and then those awards go out. So more on that very soon. Uh, let's go into another question. Carolina Sheik has asked, how do you make new followers see the value? How, or how do I make new followers see the value of my services in the shortest possible time so they don't treat me as a library but as a bookstore? That's a nice analogy. Well, the shortest possible time is the problem. Your patience is is the issue here, or lack of patience. You need to understand that if you are focused on trying to do things in the shortest possible time, you're not going to get the best result because there's a massive difference here when warming up a prospect between efficiency and effectiveness. And I think you need to understand that if you can be effective and map back from the outcome of someone wanting to buy your stuff, that's where you need to, that's the space you need to inhabit. And like I said at the top of this with Christina and Bing's question, you know, you need to think that, uh, you know, everyone's different. And so actually it might take more time from other, for others. But still, let me give this some treatment. You need to give them a reason to engage. And if you want people just not, not to just follow and watch you, so give them a reason to engage so you can move more away from consumption of content to engagement in messages and phone calls and things like that and meaningful meetings and so on. So what would make them engage? Things like um, reason, like calls to action in your content or in your con you know, in the kind of content you offer, uh, Carolina. So what's the question you're asking them? How can you get them stimulated to ask, uh, to answer um, maybe a poll or something like that? You have to earn the right a bit. And the mistake with a lot of content is missing that call to action. It's just value and nothing else. And there's nothing wrong with an ask, but sometimes your ask could be, what do you think? Or what's your opinion? And that gets those that are that much more interested to actually step forward and engage a bit. And that's your start point. But look, you've got to stimulate these conversations and and go to them because often 
you'll find that if, if, if there are people there who might buy your stuff, the vast majority won't bother to actually take a step in your direction because it's easier not to. It's easier to keep your head down. That's why, for instance, it takes usually a few thousand views of a piece of content to convert to hundreds of reactions or dozens or scores or maybe a hundred or so um, uh, messages, uh, you know, in comments. But, you know, you, you, it's only the tip of the iceberg, those who are bothered to actually step forward and react or something. Typically, you'll find that there's a huge amount of people there who just watch, who lurk, who don't do anything. And that's fine. Some will always be like that. But you've got to do your best to stimulate something from them. And the best way to do that is to think, what have I done to stop them in their tracks, to pattern interrupt, to stop the scroll and get the clicks so they pay attention. But what am I also going to do to get them to go to the next step? What am I going to do to get them to write a comment, to engage, to start a conversation? What am I going to do to get them to send me a message or something like that? Is the value good enough? Sure. But also, is the call to action simple enough? And compelling enough? Am I making people go, I have to say something here, I have to write something, <clears throat> or you're asking too much of them, or you're just a bit boring, you know, you've got to think about what, what the conversation starter is. You are the host of the party with that content, and you'll find that if you can stimulate the conversations, that allows you to move to a place where they can see you as value, and then you can ask these questions about how you can be the bookstore and not the library. But I do think as well, you should think about the user journey, user experience from uh, the piece of content and the value you're giving through to the, the checkout desk, Carolina. So if there's great content, naturally, especially those who don't really know you, if there's great content and value, the library you talk about, what they are naturally going to do is want to take uh, you know, take their curiosity and act on it. Who's Carolina Chic? They'll ask. They'll click on the link, and then they'll go through to, uh, you know, go through to your profile. So, how does the profile help them? So many profiles are brick walls because it doesn't say how to engage or what, how to send a message or how to send an email, stuff like that. You need to help them along a bit more, and I think that's really crucial because. It should be frictionless, the flow through from content to curiosity, to clicking on the profile, to maybe going to a website or sending you a message and taking things further. So you must bear that in mind. Sometimes the issue isn't that people aren't interested, is that you're not signposting enough where they need to go from there. Okay, really good question. Let's do one more, unless there's anything here on, uh, on LinkedIn. Nagabox Recession Proof has said, too many conversations about how technology will affect the workplace are based on false binaries. You're so poetic. I, I, I think I need to think on that before I respond to it. Jonathan Featherstone, Featherstone, David M, I hate the thought of myself coming across as a stereotypical salesman. And I hate the thought of coming across as pushy. I think I have sales confidence issues. Sales confidence, come, the best way to fix it is deal confidence. Deal confidence comes from closing stuff. But that's easier said than done. Often it's a vicious circle. The thing to remember is that if you feel you're being pushy, you're being pushy. If they tell you you're pressuring them, they're not sold yet. No one ever felt pressured, right? They never felt pressured when they were sold. 
So if someone gets the sold in the best way, they really get the value, and you say, great, let's buy it, let's, you know, do you wanna buy it now then? They'll say, sure. If someone's not sold, then when you say, shall we buy it now? The same person will say, don't push me, you're pressuring me. That represents, that's feedback of, I'm not sold yet. Your job is not to sell to people, your job is to help them buy. So spend more time exploring how they might be helped. Read books like Pitch Yourself because it'll explain how to frame yourself as the expert a bit more. But often the problem is that because people don't want to be sold, they don't want you to essentially tell them where the problem is and tell them how you'll fix them. Because don't, people don't want to, it's, it's way more subtle than people think. What matters more is trust first, especially in 2019. It's far better to get someone warmed up so they trust you and see you in the right light. And then when you see there's that little cue of, do you know what, you're struggling there. When you say to them, I can help you with it, they'll say, really, can you, thank you. Whereas someone even with a superior skill set to you might just offer that cold, they'll say, no thanks, I'm okay. Because people don't want to admit vulnerabilities or open themselves up to any, any worry or, or any potential issue or being scammed or anything like that. So trust has to be there. If you don't feel you've got that trust and that connection, you are making it harder. People think it's quality product or people think it's the sales technique. No, it's not. It's the connection with someone that really makes the difference. Okay, Mayor of Levine here on uh, Facebook has said, sometimes convos turn, in, turn into them pitching you. Quite right. And what that rep represents is a vibe where they feel you need help and you're broadcasting, even if it's subliminally, that, that you are the one in need and that you think they're the expert. You think that they're the one who can offer more in this particular space. Or just the classic example of someone who doesn't think or listen, they just can't help themselves, they have to ask, okay? You've also added Mirav, uh, so what's the right response when someone just messages, great post in a DM? The right response is to not reply instantly, it's to spend seven seconds going to their profile, because you're online, Mirav, so you've got plenty of information on their profile, find out about them, what have they done recently, what have they posted, things like that, and then reply, thanks, Mirav, that's really kind of you, uh, I saw in your profile that you're into whatever, or that you're based in the UK, or that we have 800 mutual connections. How's the week going? Just offer something to get the ball rolling. Okay, so that leads us neatly on to uh, the last question, actually, is very relevant to this. James Perry, here in the UK, has said, uh, looking forward to this one, Richard. My question is, how do you approach your first connection message with potential clients, especially on LinkedIn? A courtesy, hi or do you give value? <clears throat> I would actually say don't do either. If you go with hi, what you're doing is just, you're essentially saying, you do all the work, you do all the conversation starters, please. I'm just doing hi. And you've not earned the right to just say hi to someone you're cold with. What I mean by cold, you've got no relationship. And what happens is the response in the main is like, what, what are we doing here? Like, why, why would I bother responding to that? You have to earn the right to get a reply earn a reply. Hi isn't good enough. You get again in 2019 when everyone's conditioned that the hi message just means I want to sell you spammy stuff so you need to work a bit harder. The reason why just give value first is also a mistake is just what I said a bit earlier. People don't want value straight away. They don't want you to say hey 
I can help you with this. Or, hey, you know that thing you did, you can improve it by doing this and this. It's dangerous because people don't want to be told what to do or that they're wrong. Again, you have to earn the right. Far better, um, <clears throat> James, to understand that your job is to build the connection and the trust first. Your first message shouldn't be just a high. It certainly shouldn't be a sell, but you have to earn some kind of response. But you have to lead, man. You, you approach them, so you're chairing this discussion, so you have to ask a stimulating question. So don't make them do work. Make it simple for them. The best questions to ask are the specific questions. I, I, I spoke to someone a while back about this when they said their first question they ask in DMs uh, to, to prospects is, so what's your story? Which is a mistake because you're saying, tell me everything about you, but that person doesn't want to yet because they're cold. Far better, to, it's a good question, but not the start. It should come a bit later on. It's far better to find something specific about them. So, you know, um, ask a question, get specific about something you saw that they've done. Maybe ask about the last post that they did. See what they do in their work. See where they live. Something related to them that makes it a bit more bespoke and ask about that. I saw that you did X in this region. That sounds cool. How's your week going? Or something contextual, either to them, to their work or to what's going on in the week. Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. But something specific that's going to stimulate a response. People have their barriers up when someone new come on, comes along until that new person earns the barriers to go down. You cannot um, have the audacity to think that people should just like you because that's requiring them to do the work. You have to put in the work to disarm them. And that sounds really like um, uh, salesy, but the truth is that disarming them just means be normal and give them some good reason to actually engage with you. So sure, value early makes sense, but not first. It's actually dangerous because what you're doing is you're saying, disregarding who you are, here's how you can fix yourself. People don't want to hear that unless it's from someone that they want to hear it from. And you haven't earned that right yet. So instead, give emotional value, not practical value. It's a difference. Practical value is, if you did X, then Y will happen. Emotional value is, I'm going to make you feel better. And emotional value builds a lot of rapport at the start. And emotional value could be that you engage with stuff they've done. So maybe you go to one of their posts or bits of content and say, that's in the comments, this is such a good idea. I like this because of this. And you tag someone, hey, John, check this thing out. So you give a meaningful comment. That's an emotional value you're showing up for them. Or in a message, like congratulate them. Hey, that post, I did this a while back. Uh, someone posted a video of them skydiving. You're mad. I love the skydive video. How, I mean, how was it? You know, they'd just done it the day before. And the response was straight back. Oh, it was crazy. I really, you know, I'm engaging, giving them emotional value, which is a bit of congratulation, a bit of interest in them. I'm not trying to sell them stuff. The value is make them feel good. So talk about them, talk about something specific. Far better to do that first. Now that person's leaning in, they're wanting to hear more from me, and now I can see where the conversation goes. But be normal, act like you would offline. 
you know, what would you do in real life? If you, if you saw someone, for instance, use the same example, someone's just jumped out of a plane and, and parachuted down, the first thing you'd say is, hey, Matt, that was so cool. Well, how was it? Even if you don't know them, it's the obvious thing to talk about. It's the thing that you have in common that you saw them do. And if that person said, oh, that was amazing, best thing ever, you wouldn't then say, I've got some tips on how you could have skydived better right then. They don't want to hear it. Or I've got some tips about how your counting could be done better. They don't want to hear it. You've not earned the right. What would you do next? Take your cues from the offline world. The next step would be something like, so is that your first jump? Do you do this a lot? How much training was it? It's to do with the previous question. And it might be that seven or eight questions later, um, <clears throat> you're like, let's go, uh, you know, you're getting on really well. Maybe the vibe's really good. And you, it turns out you know someone else mutual. It's like, well, let's go and have a beer then. And then during the beer, you get into, he's like, well, hang on, we've been talking about me a lot. What is it you do? And then you talk about what you do. Oh, wow, that's cool. I'm struggling with this, says the person who now has a connection with you, who now trusts you a bit more. It's organic. You all do it. You all do it perfectly well offline. And often it's online where we get a bit weird, really. So hopefully that helps. That's a really good question. That's my answer to that. And hopefully it helps a bit there, Mirab, with your point as well. Carolina Mankowski, it's mind-blowing how many DMs I get either selling me or tell me about yourself in the first message. They can't even take 10 seconds to read the profile. That's the thing. Even if, Carolina, even if your profile didn't have what you do in it, it's still a mistake to say, tell me about what you're doing straight away, because why should they? And it's not because everyone's horrible. It's because everyone's busy and they're only going to naturally want to engage with people who are, uh, this is most humans, are going to naturally want to engage with people they trust a bit more. Earn the right. You have to warm up to that. Great question, but not right at the start. Christine Yeomans added, yes, I'm often annoyed by high messages right after connecting unless they've engaged with my content and have something to say about it. And yes, so true on asking people their story. I never tell people anything when they ask me that. It makes sense to warm up to it. And look, let's be clear, some people are just crap in the messages, so you might want to help them along a bit. But the truth is, if you're reaching out to someone yourself, you need to lead the discussion and stimulate an answer from them. If you can't or don't, well, then you don't deserve the conversation to go further. And, you know, look at what, what's my response going to be to their answer. How's my response going to perpetuate and grow the conversation Rather than, yeah, you're right, I need to be, yeah, you're right, and then add something else and get it going, like do some more. This is all momentum, you see. And again, we're great at this offline. It's just think for a moment, what would I be doing offline at this start, okay? Um, and Mirav, rightly here in, in, uh, in Facebook, has said, the worst is when they say, let me know how I can help you. Again, it's too much of an early ask. If they could help me and I needed them to help me, I still wouldn't let them because the trust thing isn't there yet. So that connection and the emotional value is the big takeaway on this. I really enjoyed this today. I'm sorry it was a bit shorter than usual. It was only 45 minutes, but it's been great fun. Thank you everyone for watching. Thanks for those asking questions. So Mirav up there, uh, Bing Oliver, Christina Yeoman, Daniel Nunez, Karen Cooper, June I, I haven't answered your question yet actually. Uh, I, won't, I won't do that now. Carrying the Sheik and um, uh, James Perry, thank you very much for uh, asking questions and everyone for watching as well. Awesome to see you all here. 
Make sure you keep your eyes peeled for Entrepreneur Business Live Awards coming really soon where we vote uh, in five categories for things like best speaker, best event and so on over the past year uh, for the events. Thank you again to Ottawa last week. Uh, and I really hope to hear from you all really soon. Have an amazing Monday. Thank you everyone on Facebook and I'll catch you all really soon. Uh, 